You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 247, Christmas and the Gospel of Luke. Last week we looked at the uh, the gospel or the Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew, and this week we're going to um, dive into the Gospel of Luke a little bit. And really the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke kind of give us this story. In chapter 1, uh, we, we, we actually find out about the birth of John the Baptist, which is fascinating. Uh, but we're actually going to pick up kind of the middle of chapter 1 of Luke, and it talks about when the angel appeared to Mary. Now, we, we talked last week about Joseph and, and the fact that, that in Matthew, that's his, his account, his, his story, and how uh, you know he found out that his fiancée was pregnant, and the fact that he was really getting ready to divorce her. He probably could have had you know charges pressed against her, possibly even had her put to death for adultery. Um, but he chose not to do that. He chose to just divorce her quietly. But an angel spoke to him and said, no, no, this is from the Holy Spirit. But in, in Luke, we have Mary's account. And Luke's a fascinating gospel because he tells us at the very beginning that he relied on eyewitnesses and, and other accounts that had already been recorded for his gospel. And it's very likely that Mary was still alive when Luke came into the picture, and uh, maybe even Luke interviewed her. Uh, we don't really know for, for, for certain, but when you read Luke 1 and 2, it really does have, uh, it, it reads like an eyewitness account. But in chapter 1 of Luke, we're told, um, we'll, I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to kind of uh, paraphrase it as we go, but in, in 1 chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 26, it talks about that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and that was John the Baptist's mother, God sent Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, imagine the, 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 the picture here. This is a small village, maybe a few thousand people. Everybody probably knows everybody. And the angel comes and and it and, and tells us and Luke tells us that she was already engaged to be married to Joseph. We found that out last week. And Gabriel says, The Lord is with you. He says, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I mean, it's not every day an angel appears to you. And we don't know if this is a physical encounter, if she has an, a vision, if she's dreaming. Um, after reading all the accounts, I tend to think this was one of those where the angel actually appeared to her. Um, that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, you know, it says in Matthew that the angel spoke to him in a dream, but here it says the angel appeared to her. And I think 
the news that he was bringing probably required a personal appearance. Because the angel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You are going to conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asks a, a very frank and honest question. She says, well, how can this be since I am not married yet? I am still a virgin. And the angel replies, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And really, that's enough right there. Um, you know, we... We, 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 you know, listen, we, we understand biology and we, we understand how things work, but we also understand that when the Holy Spirit is in the mix, he can supersede and he can override natural processes. And, you know, this is all fine, well, and good. The problem is, how is Mary going to explain this to her family? How is she going to explain this to her, her neighbors, her friends? How is she going to explain it to Joseph? Now, we know the story for Matthew, the angel appeared to him. My guess is Mary had probably had the conversation with him. Hey, listen, it's okay, I'm pregnant, but it's a supernatural thing. And, you know, he probably uh, didn't believe it any more than we would. Uh, now, you know, when we read the Bible, we tend to put on the rose-colored glasses, and we tend to just, um, because we've heard the story so much, we just tend to gloss over it. But, but imagine if your fiancé comes to you and says, Hey, I'm pregnant, but I haven't been unfaithful. This is God's baby. You know, it, it sounds as foolish uh, today as it did then. It's, 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 it's a crazy, crazy-sounding thing. And yet, Mary, when the angel spoke to her, um, Mary's response, and this is so, so powerful, Mary's response to the angel is, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And you know, I can't think of any greater prayer for us as Christians to pray. Um, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said, God, come true. Because God's speaking. He's always speaking. He's spoken promises over each of our lives. And if we can humble ourselves before him, and, you know, and say, look, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do is fine. And that was really Mary's attitude. And how powerful is this? And, and I so wish we had more information. I so wish Luke had, had told us more. I'd love to hear how Mary broke the news to her, her parents. I mean, she was probably a teenager. You know, some people uh, speculate she was probably, you know, anywhere from 13, 14, 15 um, you know, maybe even up to 18, but still she was a young, young girl, a young woman. And, and this was, um, obviously a, a serious situation. This would have been very upsetting. And, you know, we find out that, uh, um, you know, she goes, she visits Elizabeth. Maybe, um, this part of the reason for that was, um, in fact, that's the next thing that happens after the angel leaves. It says that a few days later, married, hurried to the hill country of Judea probably to get some emotional support from Elizabeth, who also was, was pregnant. Not by the Holy Spirit, but still uh, supernaturally in the sense that she was old, her husband was old, and God had allowed them to conceive, um, kind of bringing back a little bit of a, a remembrance of Abraham and Sarah. So this is the story of Mary's 
conception. And of course, there's so much we don't know. Uh, Luke leaves us to speculate that conversation with Joseph, the conversation with her parents. How was she perceived in her community? Um, you know, we know later on, even in Jesus's adult life, the 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 cry of fornication was thrown against him. The fact that he was an illegitimate illegitimate child was thrown into his face, even when he was an adult. So so this was something that didn't just go away. I mean, again, this was a small town. Everybody knew everybody, and and you stayed there for your entire life. So so it's a fascinating situation that God took this young woman and tossed her in. It's it's amazing because he's honoring her, and yet she's being asked to bear a cross as well. We know Jesus is going to bear a cross, but Mary's also having to bear this incredible price uh, of bearing the, the child of God, if you will. And then we move, so that's chapter one. Then we move into chapter two, and we find out about the birth of Jesus. Luke Again, he's the one who gives us the story. What we normally know as the Christmas story is in Luke's gospel. And in Luke 2, it says that the Roman emperor Augustus ordered a census. And this required everyone to go back to their hometown and to register. So Joseph loads up Mary, pregnant, and goes back to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And... um. At this point, she was, you know, it says, the, the scriptures say she was obviously pregnant. But not only was she obviously pregnant, it was time for her to give birth. And chapter Luke, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse um, 6 says, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, a couple of things here that are, that are just really interesting. First of all, this census. Um, it, it actually says, Luke says that Augustus was the, the, the emperor. He was Caesar at the time, if you will. Um, Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And King Herod was really overseeing, you know, what was... Uh, that that area of Palestine. And this is fascinating because what Luke is doing is he's establishing the birth of Jesus in history. This is not a myth. This is not a legend. He's actually anchoring the birth of Jesus at a historical, at a specific historical time. And then it comes time for Mary to give birth, and it says there's no place, there's no lodging available for them. Now, this is another one of those things, you know, we, 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 we've seen all the Christmas stories, we've seen the Christmas plays that the kids put on at church, and you've got the innkeeper who says, oh, I'm sorry, we just don't have any room, and he says, but you can use the barn in the back, and, you know, and I get it, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a possibility, because there would have been a lot of people in town for the, the census, but I also wonder, you know, this is Joseph's hometown. Um, this is where, where Joseph is from. So you wonder, did he have relatives in the town? If he did, why wouldn't they stay with him, with, with the relatives? Um, you know, if Joseph is from Bethlehem, there should be relatives of his in this town who would take them in. 
but maybe they've heard that this woman he's with is pregnant out of wedlock and it's not his baby and maybe the family rejected him. I don't know. I, I really don't. I just ask questions when I read and there's no, there's no set answers. And again, Luke's not telling us a whole lot here. He's just saying there wasn't enough room. Um, there was no lodging available for them. Now, we know there was later because when the Magi showed up, they had moved into a house. Um, so, so maybe they were staying with family members then, or maybe they were renting a house or staying in some type of lodge or inn then, but we don't know. But either way, Jesus is born in, in the stable. He's, he's laid in a manger, which is a feeding trough. And if you, if you research this, what you'll find is these are, these are actually made out of stone. You know, we see the pictures of the wooden, wooden mangers, the wooden uh, feeding troughs. But actually, the, what's, what's more likely is that it was a stone uh, feeding trough. There's even some that, that from the first century that you can, you can look at if you want to Google it. But then we see the next thing, and that is the shepherds. The, uh, the shepherds. The angels appear to the shepherds. Now, why in the world would the angels appear to the shepherds? I mean, wouldn't the angels appear to the religious people? Wouldn't the angels appear at the synagogue and talk to the synagogue rulers or at the temple um, and speak to the, the priest? Um, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. These are the religious leaders. Why wouldn't the angels appear to them? But instead, the angels appear to the shepherds. And of course, you know, when you go and see the Christmas play, I saw one just a few nights ago myself, and, you know, the, the, the kids are dressed up, and they've got on their bathrobe and a towel around their head, and they're holding a broomstick as their staff. But in reality, shepherds were, uh, you know, kind of a rough crowd. You know, when you think of cowboys in the American West, that gives you a a pretty good idea of what uh, what shepherds were like. They had to defend the sheep from, you know, predators, both two-legged predators and four-legged predators. And these weren't the people that got invited to the, the social events in the community. They were uh, a necessary evil, if you will. They looked after the sheep, but, um, you know, wouldn't necessarily be invited to all the parties. And yet, that's the first place the angels appear and tells them that this new king has been born. Um, this is what the, the angel said. The angel said, um, Don't be afraid, when he appeared. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Wow. Isn't that a... I just, again, I'm just... You know, when I read the story, I try and look at it, you know, like I'm reading it the first time. And the fact that the angel appeared and gave this message to the shepherds. The Messiah has been born. Not the religious people, not the religious leaders, but common people. People that would um, not be considered very high in society. And yet those were the first ones that Jesus appeared to. And he sent angels. You know, this is a an interesting time because the, the the story of the birth of Jesus is marked by so much angelic activity. Um, we mentioned last week the angels appeared to Joseph. The angels appeared to the wise men. Um, the angels appeared to Joseph, uh, you know, a couple of times before the birth of Jesus, and then also afterwards, telling him to flee to Egypt. And of course, you know. The, the the God spoke through angels to, to the to the wise men and told them not to go back to see Herod. And then here, 
an angel appears to um, Zechariah in the first part of chapter uh, in first part of chapter one of Luke, telling him that his wife's going to have a son in her old age, and then an angel appears to to Mary, and then an angel angels appear to the the shepherds. This is an amazing time of of revelation and God speaking. But then we get down towards towards the end of the Christmas story. The the angels, the the shepherds have come, and now the shepherds tell the the Mary and Joseph and whoever else is present there in the barn, you know, the fact that that, that they've they've heard from the angels and they were told to come find this baby. And it says, Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Wow. So the shepherds go back to work, back to normal. But yet they know nothing will ever be normal again. They've had an encounter with God that night. Mary ponders these things in her heart. Now they have to start the hard work, the difficult work of raising this this child, this special child, not knowing what's going to come from his birth, from his life, um, and and thankfully even probably not even understanding the fact that he's going to have to die for humanity. But it says Mary pondered them. She thought about them. And, you know, there's something to be said there for us too. You know, when God speaks, what do we do with it? How do we process it? Do we write it down? Do we ponder it? Do we think about it? Do we pray about it? But I think at this Christmas, you're, you know, and, I, and I'm recording this a week before Christmas, um, at this this time of Christmas, it's it's wonderful to reflect about what God's done, the fact that He's entered humanity, God in the flesh, God stepping into time in the form of a man so that He could live among us. The, the baby that was born in that manger was 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 eternal that baby was was the one that that ultimately had spoken the uh the the, the worlds into existence it said he was present when god created and and yet this baby now frail uh weak uh you know being entrusted to a pair of humans um to look after him and to raise him it's just an amazing story the gospel is so powerful now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Luke's Christmas story. You know, this story is just full of meaning. It's full of revelation. And we, we can easily gloss over it when we read it at Christmas time. But I encourage you to read it with fresh eyes and see what God might say to you. Well, if you've got a question or a comment, I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspelg.com. Leave me your question or comment in the comments section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. And and, and just to let you know, this episode is brought to you by my huge Christmas sale. Listen, Christmas is a week away if you're listening to this right after I've released it. And, you know, listen, you probably still got some last-minute gifts to get. You might even want to buy something for yourself. Well, all the books... Um, or, or most, I say all, there's there's four that are released by a publisher. I have no control over the price. But nine of the books on my website, I've slashed the prices. And, you know, if you want to buy something for somebody, buy something for yourself, this is the best time to do it because the prices will be going back up after the first of the year. So click on that link, go buy some books, buy all of them. 
and uh, you know, give them to people that you love. And if you live in the the Atlanta area and you want to track me down, I'll even sign them for you. So snatch up those books, have a Merry Christmas, and uh, and I'll talk to you next week on Leading and Learning.